Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Everybody, welcome to another episode of In Soccer We Trust. Guess what, baby? I'm going solo tonight. Jimmy's somewhere off in the world. Charlie's got CONCACAF Nations League duties on CBS Paramount Plus. So I'm going to be rolling solo with you guys. But we got an incredible show for you. But if you haven't already, make sure you've commented already. Get in on the conversation because we're going to be throwing a lot of comments on the screen to keep this thing going. But if you didn't know already, the U.S. are champions once again of the CONCACAF Nations League. We're going to get into all of it. But make sure you hit that like. Make sure you hit that subscribe. And turn those notifications on because that way we can feed this to you wherever you are. Whatever you're doing goes right onto your phone and says, hey, come on in on the conversation. But it's going to be a good one uh, because we've got a lot to talk about. So first off, uh, let, let's go a little bit with uh, the lineups for, for the evening. So uh, producer Alex, if you could throw, on the, uh, throw up the lineups of, of what we had from the U.S. team at least uh, in this one. I went with what, what we expected. Now, here's what I want to say about this this lineup uh, particularly. It would have been easy to go with Luca De La Torre. And I know a lot of people love Luca De La Torre. He's great. He's great in ball possession. He's good at connecting the lines. But I do think he does slow the game down at times in terms of playing a little more neutral and side to side. But in this one, went with Brendan Aronson and Gio Reyna. Now, the first 10 minutes, if you watched it or, or didn't, I'll give you at least my take on, on the first 10 minutes. It was tight. There was not a lot of space. There wasn't a lot of rhythm. But that goal... Uh, that we got from Chris Richards, who I've been critical of, uh, not because of Chris Richards, because I think Chris Richards has actually been been good with the national team, but only because he hasn't gotten playing time. Uh, I've been critical of that because I, myself, as a former national team player, as a former defender, have spent a lot of time uh, of my career in and out of lineups. And when you're, you can go, you can, you can, you can get amped up for those, but playing those two matches in a short amount of time, I thought was spectacular of him. He had a fantastic uh, game again tonight and had an unbelievable goal to raise up and dunk over the Canadians to put us up 1-0. But in this lineup, uh, again, we lose Ricardo Pepe, right? Because we got Balogun. Balogun has rewarded us immensely in the last two games because you just see what he has and his ability to get on the goal, uh, on the goal sheet or scoring sheet tonight was fantastic. Uh, I thought he was good. Timo Weah continues to be that one where it's like almost a dying breed of his style of play of just that verticality, 
speed, predictability in his game, but he's so good. But what I really liked about this team is that we are getting the most out of all these players, right? So if you take a step back and you look at these two games, and I just tweeted it a few minutes ago, and if, if you watch the pregame with, uh, I, I believe it was the pregame when Gooch came on uh, onto Paramount Plus and was talking about um, how they, they decided to keep Greg out of these so they could assess and figure out ways to improve his abilities, to improve the support staff around him. I would look at these two games, and I want to know everybody in the comments' thoughts on this. Um, I'd be looking at this and saying, hey, Greg, we took the pressure off of you in these ones. You're out here. Yeah, we've been in discussions. We're going to work work this out. But BJ Callahan, with the support of his staff and U.S. soccer, because it wasn't like BJ Callahan was just doing things on his own, right? Interims don't get to just go out there and be like, I'm going to play with seven defenders. He had a team of people around him. But what they did is they took the risks needed to prove or, or I guess disprove that we can play with more attacking players on the field than defensive players. I know a lot of people uh, don't like this comment, but MMA might not be the best option for us moving forward. MMA was amazing when we lacked experience everywhere else because we had that center of the midfield that was willing to scrap and fight transitional players, good in transition. But to be frank, outside of Musa, we didn't really connect the game all that well. And I know, and I've been thinking about this for a long time, that that Adams was one of the first players that I put into any sheet, uh, in any team sheet because of how he covered ground, put out fires, did a lot of that dirty work. But when I look at Musa's game tonight, yes, the first 10 minutes is a little bit scrappy from everybody. When I looked at his game tonight, the biggest moments you judge a six on are, are they arriving in the spots to make that big play? And if you see the amount of times Canada, especially in the second half, got into those deep spots and Musa was right where he needed to be, in between the midfield and that defensive line, right in those pockets to be able to clear balls, clear lines, cut out balls, win balls, tackle, those types of things. He was there every single time. So you start to change that conversation about, do we need a traditional six or can we maybe have a hybrid six? Now, we can't judge a Nations League of, or we can't judge our national team off of playing a really crap Mexico team and a Canada team that we, we outplayed in most phases of the game. Again, I think this game could have been different. I think the U.S. showed that we're probably a, a, an early scoring or first scoring team if we want to be our best because teams that sat against sat back against us in the past, we really struggled to break down low blocks. We struggled in, in possession at times. But for this game in itself, for us to get an early goal changed everything, right? The moment you saw that, you saw everybody settle down. You saw Canada start to go, do we press? Do we drop? Do we take chances? Are we? They, they kind of fell out of sorts. They got back into a rhythm in the second half and they were better and they still had their fair share of chances in the game. But they were pretty dang uh, confused when we scored that early goal. Even our national team, those players looked just like a relief of getting that first goal and getting it early because it allows the game to open up. And then you start to see the qualities of a of a, a Musa, of a, a Reina, of a Brendan Aronson through the midfield, of a, of, a, of a way on the outside and Pulisic on the other side, who I thought still quiet at times, but didn't have to be anything more than that because once you got that lead, the game changes where you've got to play a little more strategically. You saw that in the second half. Maybe we sat a little bit deeper than we should have. We allowed them to have the ball in tough spots. We didn't have to take those risks anymore. That could be dangerous. But overall, uh, I thought it was a really good game uh, from the U.S. want to get your guys' thoughts on this, so make sure you're chiming in on the comments. I can see them right in front of me right now. We'll have producer Alex throw some of those up. But for the record, uh, we got a comment here from Ted saying, Richards and Jedi were everywhere. Jedi was another one tonight that, and Moadu did a great job of, of singling him out because a lot of times you don't see that, but Jedi had a history of shutting off in big moments. I don't want to say big moments or a history of that, but there were times that we saw on the national team, even at the club level, where he shuts off, not thinking the ball is going to go all the way across and get to him, gets to him, 
and he's in a position to make the play but isn't ready. Tonight, he made the play every single time. And at the highest level, that's what the game is about. So when I think about Jedi Robinson, I think he's ready for that next step in terms of the club he's going to play off, play at. And then and then thinking about Chris Richards, again, dominant in the air, dominant on the ground, good passer of the ball, scored the big goal, things like that. So I thought it was a really cool and collected uh, performance from our back line tonight. Joe Scally, I thought, had a little bit of his hands full with, with – um, uh, Alfonso Davies, naturally, everybody uh, is going to struggle once Alfonso Davies gets into form. I think early on he did well to neutralize him. I've been seeing a lot of teams, by the way. And let me know if you guys think. And I, and I actually I actually bring this back to the U-20s playing against Uruguay in, in the quarterfinals of the U-20 World Cup. Every time Cade Cowell got the ball, Uruguay pulled up a, a fullback and pulled over a holding midfielder to just say, listen, you want to go left? We'll take you to the line. You want to go inside? You got to go past two of us. And I thought... I thought about that every time Alfonso Davies got the ball. And we didn't do it a lot, but it would be nice to see that predictability. Okay, if it's in transition and we're isolated, you just got to slow it down until you get some help back. But there were times that 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 Joe Scally was isolated one-on-one and he was getting pinned back all the way into his own box before he was confronting Alfonso Davies, which I would do too, right? You don't know where to step on a guy like that because if you let him in behind you, he's even more dangerous. Uh, but I thought overall that the, the back line was good. Matt Turner was good. And then in the midfield, Gio Reyna is phenomenal, right? And we all know that. There's no secrets of that. And people are going to sit and talk about the Gio Reyna's minutes in the World Cup and all these things, but it was a problem. And the faster we could just say Gio was a problem at the World Cup in his attitude, that Gio wasn't fully fit or ready, the faster we can get to the fact that when he is fit and ready like he was tonight, he's unbelievable. The other thing, by the way, is if you ask anybody that watches Dortmund week in and week out, there was a lack of transitional effort from Gio Reyna at times. And a team that likes to high press or win the ball in, in turnovers and transition, he didn't always seem up for it. These last two games, though, Gio seemed up for it every single play, dialed in. And like I said in the last show, I, I hawkeyed this guy every time he had the ball or every time he didn't have the ball. That was what was most important. Watching him to see what he does, what his body language is. Does he want to track back? Does he want to press when the team presses? And he did that every single time. And I, I think that was that needs to be uh, discussed as well. I also think, by the way, because Matt Matt Osmond just brought this up, um, uh, of Tejan Buchanan not being a starter, I thought was a huge loss. And we we're so hard. I, I know. Look, USMNT uh, uh, Twitter and and critics are so hard on Greg for his tactics, and they rightfully should be. I've been hard on his tactics. We've been begging on this show over and over again to put Timo away up top. Try uh, Pulisic up top. This was pre Balogun. Put Pepe in there. Put uh, t- uh, put Timo away at the 10. Put Pulisic in the 10 so we can get another uh, Brendan Aronson on the field on the other side. Put uh, 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 Gio Reyna at the 10. We've said that so many times, but the result was is we were trying to figure out how do you play with the back four or is it back three, back five? How do you get them onto the field? And we can see tonight, even in a, in a 4-3-3, someone's going to have to be sacrificed along the way. Um and look, I, I I see Sean saying Heath Greg was the problem at the World Cup was a problem at the World Cup. I don't think Greg was a problem at the World Cup. You guys need to understand something, okay? The reason look, the reason I'm wearing this shirt, this is this is actually a shirt. It's actually not a match worn shirt, but it's a pure shirt from playing in the national team. I actually took a tag off of it. I didn't even know I had ones that still had tags on it. But this one's a match worn behind me. And the reason I wore those is because I wanted to, to remind all of you that I that I played with the national team, and I know what it's like. And I know there's a lot of comments uh, right now where people are like, well, what do you expect the players to say? You know, they obviously have to fall in line if they want to be called in the national team. I agree. However, if you look at all the national team coaches in the past, there was plenty of players 
that were asked questions all the time about the coach and they knew how to play the game to not give anything. There was adoration coming out from the players in the media recently. Christian Pulisic or Timo Weah or whoever you call it, whoever you want, do not need to speak. Yes, Greg Berhalter made a lot of mistakes. He made tactical mistakes. He made personal mistakes in, in, in bringing up the Gio Reyna stuff. He is not perfect. U.S. soccer has recognized that he's not perfect. But I do think that uh, we are all trying to grow and move forward. I'm not saying he's the right guy for the job. We can get into that a whole nother day because um, I will break it all down for you of what that's like, what that's like playing in a team. You do not have to say that you say somebody's the right guy for the job. You can just simply say, oh, I'm excited to move forward now that we've got a coach. That's what you could have said. But you had a number of players saying that he is the right guy, saying somebody's the right guy for the job and just saying, like you can see, hey, we're just excited to move forward now. Let's get let's, let's keep it moving. That's how you answer that question. All of these guys are trained pros. You know how many of those guys that we've had either on, on this podcast or other shows and you ask them questions, all media trained, yeah, 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 the team this, the team that, yeah, coach, you know, whatever the coach wants, blah, 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 blah. That's how you can handle that. That's how you could just weave in the narrative of like, oh, we've got a new coach. Just so you know that if somebody gives an endorsement, that is very different than somebody just appeasing the answer to get past it and move on. And there was a, a, a stark difference. So there is some relationships of respect happening in there. But to get back to this Nations League, I do think we need to look at this. If you're, if you're uh, BJ, if, if you're U.S. soccer and you need to look at BJ Callahan and say uh, that, that this is how you play with risk. And it doesn't mean every time. We can play with MMA, but other times let's take some risks. Let's play more offensive. And now that we have a Gio Reyna and a Balogun in front of him that you can connect the lines with, that is changing the complexity or changing the way in which this team can attack. Now, we, we could have done this with Pepe as well. I don't disagree. He didn't even make the World Cup squad. I think that's on Greg as well. That's another mistake on him. However, I do think now we are presenting something that allows us to be iterative in the way that we press, where on the field, how on the field, and all of that. But listen, guys, we got more to talk about. Keep those comments rolling in. We are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get to some of these comments and keep it moving. Don't go anywhere. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, uh, welcome back, everybody. We've got more to talk about. I appreciate all of you tuning in because guess what? U.S. Men's National Team champions once again of the CONCACAF Nations League, and they did it in fine fashion. If you go back again to 2021 and you remember the U.S. in the final, we could have lost to Honduras. Then we got to the final, went down that goal from that, that unfortunate mistake from Mark McKenzie early on, clawed our way back, had some miraculous moments, some heroics um, in goal. And got ourselves a win, but we were chasing it to the very, very end. Mexico was running us side to side to side, and you could just feel we were destined to win that, but it sure didn't feel good. This one, although there were some chances in the second half, we didn't really give up a whole lot, and I thought that we were uh, really good and deserving of winning this whole one. If you look at, if you're watching this at least live in video form right now, you can see the 17 matches in the matchup history. Uh, nine wins for the U.S. Eight draws, zero losses up till 2019. Since 2019, there's been five matches. Uh, I believe today would have been the six, which was two wins, one draw, and two losses. So equal across the board for the U.S. and 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 Canada. Changing of uh, of times, right? If you look at just the quality that Canada's producing, and I think John Herdman 
positioned it really well recently where he said, we've got two or three big, big players, you know, hopefully more this summer if we, if we get some of the moves that we want. Uh, and then you look at the U.S. team. Yeah, we're going through it right now in terms of playing time. But when you look at just the quality of the player, Chris Richards, again, I go back to him, hasn't played. This guy's got, and, and I, I, I'm critical of this because he literally has maybe 45 professional matches in his career, and he's 23 years old, right? You look at Gio Reyna, he's at like 150 by the time he's, I don't know, 21. Um, and there's a big difference, and he needs to find that right next step for him. Hoffenheim was a good good fit, obviously didn't stay there, and then it's just been buried between injuries and the fact that he's playing be- behind uh, Gay and Anderson at, at, at Palace, and then with the changing of the coach, he was even further in the lineup. When he had a chance to get in, he didn't even get into that rotation. So he's got to find the right spot. But overall, I think we've got an unbelievable squad. And now you're starting to see some competition for positions. And I do truly believe, and I still mean this, right? If you go back six months, Weston McKinney, untouchable. Adams, untouchable. Musa, untouchable. Brendan Aronson, a year ago, untouchable, right? All these guys. But then Weah stepped up, pushed Aronson out. You know, now you've got all these players coming up underneath. I think we're now reaching, uh, uh, I, I know I've said critical mass a lot of times, but we're reaching a period where we're going to have a quality of player and a depth of player that means those players have to be on. Now, there's every national team in the world has players that don't start at their club teams consistently because they play at Man City or they play at Man United or wherever they, they, they end up playing, and they're still in the national team. And the biggest national teams in the world have that, right? And I think we'll always have that. It's impossible. But you can set that standard at least that if you're not playing and at your best, there's somebody knocking on the door behind you. Chris Richards, I think, has earned this spot in the national team for sure. And he's a, he's a quality left center back, and those are hard to come by. Tim Ream is a great option for us, but he's not getting any younger. And I don't, I don't know, what is he, 37 now, something like that? So that's going to be a, a, a tough one as well. But let's not forget also, on the bench, we have Booth, Zendejas, Cardozo, Senora, De La Torre, Pepe, and then obviously goalkeepers. We have Miles Robinson, who was a little bit hurt. Austin Trusty, another one that got some minutes tonight. Um, and is is obviously out on loan from from his contract at Arsenal. It's a, it's a really good generation of players that a large portion of them weren't even starting the second half of the season, and that's how good we are right now. And if again, I, I wrote these 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 few things down when I talked about what BJ Callahan or what U.S. Soccer should be telling Greg Berhalter on these things. One, trust these guys. It's not the same as they were three years ago when you had to micromanage them and get these guys experience. Most of them were playing in their last first World Cup, last World Cup. Guess what? They're World Cup players now. Most of them had no caps when you brought them into the national team. Almost all of them. They all have caps now. Most of them hadn't won anything. They've all won things now. And so when I think about that, I think about now you can trust these players. You built that relationship. Give more to them and do do less, right? Do less, but do less better. So less, less, less... Um, overanalyzing every single moment of the game and trusting those players to be able to work through that. Where I do think there needs to be some fluidity is in our line of confrontation. Do we press high? Do we have a mid block? Do we have a low block? We now have a team that I think looks like they're willing to defend in each of the phases of the game and each of these areas on the field. So trust that. Trust that those players are going to be willing to do that work. I didn't trust that they would do that before. Now we had a Brendan Aronson who I thought would have done that. You know, uh, I, I didn't think... Team away was never necessarily one. We never had strikers necessarily that wanted to do the pressing game. Now we have a Balogun who's willing to do that work. Gio Reyna didn't want to do that work necessarily before. And I don't say do that work, meaning like that's what you should do. It's a style of play. 
there's a lot of these guys play in other clubs where they don't play that style of play. And that's not what, what it's ex uh, expected of them. It's not an attitude thing. It's just like a style of play or a preference and having to buy into a system. At times, it felt like the U.S. was really trying to force a system that didn't really have full buy-in. I think now we see a group that's been through it. They've now had learning experiences from the World Cup, and now they come back. Now, if you look at the screen, if you're watching this live, and you look at uh, Greg Berhalter's managerial profile, 36 wins, 12 draws, 11 loss record. Hired in December of 2018. Uh, contract ended at the end of the year, and obviously we've been going through all this stuff. Advanced to the round of 16, like most of the coaches have done um, uh, during their 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 tenure. Uh, 21 Gold Cup winner, uh, CONCACAF Nations Nations League winner uh, the last, last time around. Um, and struggled uh, against the big teams. We know we knew um, Jurgen Klinsmann was good against the big teams, but struggled against other teams. I think did well in Concacaf. And my my issue with the narrative, guys, and and I want to get your thoughts. Just be honest with me. Um, is what should we be expecting of this team? Because I feel like we got caught up in the last six months around we think we're deserving of a Pep Guardiola. We're not. We're not there yet. It would be nice to have, but we're not there yet. We're not. And I know Gooch came on the show, on, on the uh, CBS show uh, pregame, talking about how there were massive coaches, interviewed candidates. I have trouble believing that any of them would have landed in, 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 the, in the confines of what, what it would have taken to get a deal and also buying into what it would take and not having to start from scratch. But what, what's our ex expectation? Because we talk, keep talking about a semifinal. And there's so much that goes into a World Cup that when you set a goal of semifinal or bust, yeah, it's aspirational, but but it's the draw, it's the team, it's the health of the team, it's the way in which they play. Some of that's going to be on Greg for sure. I think we should be looking in a year from now at, at Copa America and seeing where he's at with those types of things. Hey, Greg, if this team's struggling against all these teams, something's wrong. And that's why I think U.S. soccer is like, okay, maybe he is the right guy for this job, but what are all the other jobs that are going to either simplify his role or make him better at his role so that we can get good assistance and have a team around him to make sure that we're doing everything right or at least having the right team around him to say, hey, Greg, listen, I'm your assistant. I'll fall in line with whatever you say. You're the boss, Hefe, but I disagree. We need to do this differently. We need to think about this differently. We need to approach the second half of this game differently. We need to be bringing in this type of player. Let's try a two-striker. Let's play with a back three, those types of things. And I'm not saying he didn't have that before, but I do think that building that type of network to push Greg to be the best manager he's going to be is going to make this team ultimately better. Like him or hate him, it's not going to change. I, 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 I didn't think he was coming back either, but he's back. So we can sit, protest. You can you know, kind of stand outside the guy with the sign or, or we can just figure out how we're going to set the standards for these guys and also put the accountability on the players. Tactics were wrong against the Netherlands, but the players got that wrong too. So we need to hold all these players who are now way more experienced coming out of that World Cup. And you look at the way that they played against Canada tonight versus the Canada in qualifying where Canada smacked us a couple times and said, hey, we're not going to back down from you. The U.S. got that early goal, spread Canada out, and Canada looked like the Canada of old instead of the Canada of new, which I like. Um, well, guys, what, what are your thoughts? Come on. Give me, give me a little something before we wrap this show up. We're going to keep it short just for all of you because, you know, I can ramble and ramble and ramble on and on and on. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scroll through maybe – uh, producer Alex, if you see any comments in here, we'll throw a couple couple up on the screen and and uh, and uh, and then we'll wrap this thing up for tonight. Because of, as a reminder, Jimmy and myself are back tomorrow at our usual time, 1 p.m. Eastern time, to recap the Nations League campaign as a whole. Tonight is just about this final. Yes, I've gone off on a few tangents, but it's hard to 
detach yourself and just say the U.S. played really good tonight. And so we can make this 30 seconds, right? The U.S. played really good tonight and they won and they deserve to win. And they should, des- they, they should dominate CONCACAF. Now, I will say that qualifying is never going to get any easier. Guess what? We don't have to qualify for this one. And qualifying is never going to be the same again because we're going to have a thousand teams in the World Cup that's never going to look like it did before with the risks and the pressures of playing down in Central America and the difficulties of that. I've played in a bunch of those games. They are very, very hard. They're never going to get easier. No matter what the quality of player is, you're not going to go down to El Salvador and dominate somebody uh, the way that we hope. But at home, we should be able to wipe the floor um, with the quality that we have. Um, But what do you guys think? Is there, do you think that we have the right uh, group called into this camp? Is there any players that you're excited about uh, maybe coming in? We've obviously got a couple injuries missing out from this team, but overall I thought two games, with the right approach, when I look back to the Nations League previously, where we looked like we could have given up goals against Honduras, maybe even lost. We could have lost, maybe should have lost against Mexico, but found a way to win against Mexico. We dominated Mexico really bad right now, but we we, we crushed that game from start to finish. And then came out another game where I said it was going to be the big test, got that early goal, and that was all that, that was needed. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, I guess that's probably it for me. Uh, where does Sergeant fit? I think that's a good question. It's tough to say, man. This is the problem is that Sargent, I think, has been an admirable uh, addition to the national team since he's been in it. And he's had some hot streaks of form, whether at Norwich or, or when he was at Werder Bremen. But I still look and say, man, this depth chart's getting deeper. You've got no PFOC, no room for PFOC in here. You've got no room for, for um, um, I'm blanking on his name now um, because that's how much depth we've got in the national team. No disrespect. Uh, that's playing in Turkey. Um, but you've got uh, uh, so many players that it, it's it's tough to see. I think I think Sargent does have a role, but similarly, when when um, Pepe got left off the roster for the for the World Cup, there's just no reason to have three or four strikers called in when you can bring in more players into the midfield and have more options in your back line or you know fullbacks, wingbacks, wingers, central midfielders, those types of things that you can change the way in which you play. Um, there's no reason to bring a ton, which is disappointing uh, for Sargent. But again, that's competition. I was I, I was in a lockstep with Johnny Bornstein for whatever, five, six, seven years in the national team. And then there would be another player that come in. Todd Donovan came in at one point. You had, uh, you know, other players stepping in, kind of starting to, you know, kind of push on you a little bit. And Carlos Bocanegra could play a little bit. DeMarcus Beasley started to be a left back. And that's just the nature of it. There's not always room for everybody. And you've got to prove yourself. And at a certain point, uh, I couldn't keep up at that at that level. I had a number of injuries, gone through some some kind of season-ending injuries, had a couple surgeries, and when I came back at different times, I just couldn't match that level. Players were better than me, and you just got to be able to accept that. And I also think we're past that generation now, where we're going to see this like you know idea of people thinking there's some sort of conspiracy theories of who's being called in because we've got some serious depth now. And you might see one or two where you go, huh? And maybe you haven't been watching them, or maybe whatever. Um, but, but, uh, there's going to always be how you build out a roster. not just going to be like, you know, 26 Balligans every single time. But anyways, everybody, that is it for us. I apologize. I apologize for making this one short. I know everybody's super excited, but you should all be super excited about the way the U S is rolled out in this nation's league. We'll see what happens in the gold cup. We've got a long ways to go. We've got a two and a half years. And I think there's still some surprises out there in terms of players who haven't even gotten a single cap that are going to be challenging for spots in this player pool in the coming years. That's going to push everybody to be even better. Again, as a reminder, 
Jimmy and I are back tomorrow at our usual time, 1 p.m. Eastern, to recap the entire Nations League campaign as a whole. We wanted to do it tonight, but with the time zone, it's like 4 o'clock in the morning where Jimmy is. Chuck's got things going on. So Jimmy and I are going to do it again tomorrow. That's Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And listen, if you haven't already, take a minute to leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube hit that little notification thing so you can get in on these conversations anytime we go live. Of course, I appreciate all of you again for tuning in. I appreciate all of you guys for hanging out. I've been on this endless rant, which I love, but sometimes I can't even keep up with my own thoughts, especially after a big win like this and seeing the quality and talent that we have in this pool. Hopefully, we're putting out positive vibes and pushing this team forward. Leave all that negativity. Let's hold them to the high standard, baby. We're going to hold them to the high standard, but let's leave some of that negativity and start moving forward and help support these guys trying to get to that ultimate goal of a semifinal of a world cup so until next time on behalf of myself and of course our producer alex and our producer des we will see you guys tomorrow